And I would say the most important thing I would say as a creative of any sort is finding your community. Because being a creative, one, it's a lonely place at times. And even though you have your family and friends that support you, it's something about being around people that you don't have to explain choices you make in your life, sacrifices you make in your life, because it's hard. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a Black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal. I want to start off this episode with saying that it's been a really heavy time heavy couple weeks happening. Yeah, I really don't have much words. (laughs) It's, it's been crazy out there and I'm fighting for justice in my own way of activism. And I hope you are as well. I want to give a personal shout out to all the peaceful protesters out there who are not looting and there's plenty of them out there. So kudos to you guys. Um, I also want to give a thank you to all the good cops. And I know that a lot of us are emotional right now. And some of us are going as far as saying fuck the cops or fuck the police. And I think we have to acknowledge the fact there are great cops out there that are not racist, that stand up for the community, stand up for the black community and for black people. And sadly, they are stuck in a hard place of doing their jobs. And I'm sure they're standing up for us. So I want to give kudos out to them here on this podcast. And some of you may disagree with me. However, I have people who are also police officers in my family. However, they also stand with Black Lives Matters. And this is really hard for them. So I hope you guys acknowledge what they're going through. But I want to address something. And I think with the wonderful thing of having a podcast, as well as if you're a person who's in the digital creative space, as well as film and entertainment, you have a platform where you can speak on these things, where you can share your message. And I really feel that, and especially where I'm going with this, that we need to speak up about it and we need to be leaders about it. We have people following us because they like us. But we also need to stand up for what is right and need to tell them that. I just feel that we need to unite to condemn these tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many, many others at the hands of police. And this is just a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception. And we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. I believe that to be silent is to be complacent. I believe that Black lives matter. I believe that Black lives are more important than property. I believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witnessing it. In these creative digital media spaces, we have these audiences that we return to week after week, you know, time after time, screen on screen, whatever your space is, and they hear our voices and... We need to use our voices to speak against anti-Blackness and police brutality. And I want you guys to encourage your audiences in whatever your platform or medium you're in to get educated, to be engaged, and to take action. This really means a lot to me, as you can see. And uh, I'm sure there's plenty other 
people of color who are also podcasters, as well as in, again, the digital creative space that are speaking on this too on their podcast. I'm not the only one. But take action. Don't just educate yourself just for this moment and bypass it. Really engage with it and let it sit. You know, I know it's uncomfortable for a lot of you to have this discussion. However, think of it as growth, as you getting better, not just as a person, but as a human being and for humanity. So that is my social justice piece for right now. (laughs) And yes, I say right now because I'm sure there'll be a lot more coming, you know, (laughs) in terms of what to say and, and what to do. But I do want to shift gears to a wonderful, wonderful guest that we have on here today, Tamika Wimborn. Yes, girl. Yes, she going to be on here today. <laughs> She's a writer and a director that passionately loves to create stories that will invoke conversations. Her mission is to bring stories to the screen that embody the experiences and the voices of people of color that are devoid usually in television and film. Like many independent filmmakers, Tamika wears many hats to make sure her vision comes true. Tamika centers many of her stories around social issues like immigration, HIV, sex trafficking, youth aging out of foster care, and there's plenty more that she has dwelled into. And I'm not saying that's her only focus, but that's pretty a main one. And she has some lighthearted stuff too. She enjoys using various mediums to tell stories. In addition, she's making movies, podcast. She's also produced television segments, commercials, wrote a couple of novels, worked as a field reporter, and she's commissioned to produce documentaries. This girl's been all over the place. Today, Tamika will discuss her creative process in writing and filmmaking. We get to see a more in-depth look at her passion behind it, and I'm really excited to have her on here. And this episode, you know, I've done this way, way, way beforehand, but this episode really highlights the whole idea that Black stories matter, Black filmmakers matter, Black female filmmakers matter. And Tamika speaks truth into that. And I really hope you guys love this episode. And let's welcome Tamika on the show. Did you know over 192,000 new podcasts were launched in 2019 and I was one of them? Have you ever wanted to share your opinion but not break the bank? I have just a thing for you, girl. It's called Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch and promote and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters like myself already using Buzzsprout to get their message out into the world. Like me, Buzzsprout can't wait to amplify your message. Let's create something great with Buzzsprout. Follow the link in the show notes, let Buzzsprout know that I sent you, and you can get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan today. All right, Tamika, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you. Tamika, can you start off by telling us where you started off with your career? So originally um, in 2005, I published my first novel, Where My Strength Comes From. And so I was taking that around different places, book clubs, different bookstores. And finally, one day someone was like, well, you know, a book isn't really a book until it's a movie. And I was like, what? You know, like, so it was like, a, <laughs> like, what? Don't challenge me. And then I moved to New York and I thought I would go to film school, but I really couldn't afford it. And life was just like chaotic. So I just started buying books and studying. And so after um, my aunt was 91, she asked me to come to New York. I mean, come back to Virginia where I'm from originally and um, I'm the single person, so I chose to go back and help her. And during that time, I just continued to like buy film books and read them. And in the interim of that, there was this. Um, I also worked on the Obama campaign in 2008. Oh, and so, <laughs> hold up, hold up, <laughs> go, Obama! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm 
I'm not real president, but I'll keep it. I feel you there. I feel you there. (laughs) (laughs) So I, um, during that time, well, right after that, I decided to work on another campaign just for a short period. And I realized that they didn't have the same energy, but I met this filmmaker in Virginia and they were actually doing a feature film and Ethan Martin. And so I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm an aspiring filmmaker and I would love to, you know, learn more. And so long story short, he was like, follow me on Facebook. So as I'm following him on Facebook, I started seeing them build sets. And I was like, oh my God, this looks like a real movie. <laughs> you know, so I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I would love to work on your project. So he was like, we don't have a budget. I said, I don't care. Just, I just want to be there. And so he allowed me to be a PA. And that was, and so as I was there, because it was a, they had crew from like LA, Italy, and very few from Virginia, but the people were really nice because it's still, it was a large crew, but a small crew in comparison to like a Hollywood set. But the writers, I could sit with the writers and they would suggest books to read. The DP, you know, they, he would suggest, and then they, all of them at one point, you know, different conversations said, Hey, listen, don't go to film school, spend that money on making your movies so that you can learn because you're going to learn theory in film school. So um, that was sort of the beginning of my journey. And then ironically, after meeting people, I went to like what they call like the Virginia Production Alliance. They had like this meeting that they had this, not a meeting, it was like their annual something. I forgot what it was. And there was um, this lady there and she was like, as I was going around networking, she said, oh, we have a screenwriting um, class at the, at the Attics Theater in Norfolk. So I said, oh, cool. So I reached out and it was a small group, but the leader of the group was Clyde Santana. And he has been like a writer for many years, written plays and, you know, was with the Negro Ensemble Theater. And he has invested so much money in traveling back and forth to California, taking classes. And then he, in turn, would come back and teach us and believe it or not, for free. And he said, wow. Yeah. He said, the only thing that I charge you is that you pay it for. And so. I was with that the screenwriters group until I moved, and that was roughly ten years. And we still in contact, and you know, even now, you know, if I need him to, you know, eyeball my script or something, he, you know, will. And um, so that's the beginning of my journey. And um, I think I made my first short film, and I think we shot it in two thousand nine, but finished finished post in two thousand ten, or we shot. I can't remember, but it was a quick turnaround because I was applying for this program that I didn't get into, but the, um, I didn't get into the program, but it's a really awesome program with the, um, with AFI directing workshop for women. But, um, and, and I can now see why I didn't because the quality that they have is like just amazing from a lot of the filmmakers. But, um, that was the first project and I charged myself to do three short films before doing a feature. So that would be my film school so that I can make mistakes and learn at minimal cost. Wow. What a story. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you got this start. You know, and well, now that you are in your field, one of the things I loved about your bio and what you had to offer was being that you're a woman of color, filmmaker and writer. And your biggest thing was invoking conversations that surrounded the African-American community. Can you highlight for us what things you want other people to see from your work when it comes to these conversations? Sure. And I'll, I'll, let, me, let me say this. I'll premise this. I don't necessarily target it to just the African-American community. I feel like these conversations are important for all communities. However, I do often use Black leads because I feel like we're misrepresented and it's important for our communities to see that these things impact our community as well. But if you're white, Asian, whatever, those same, um, the storylines still are applicable to anybody. So for example, my first short film was like more just a fun film. And um, it was like a, by accident rom-com. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I was like, (laughs) I just wrote it the way I, you know, like just thought I should. And, you know, and, um, and that one was passed me by. And that was sort of inspired because, when I lived in New York, I had a friend, she would say, everywhere you go, these guys are looking at you. And I just never felt like anybody was looking at me. And she was like, look, or somebody would be like, look at, you know, and I was like, 
I was like, oh, but I just have tunnel vision sometimes. And so oftentimes, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you'll see people and you sort of just pass them by or, you know, whatever. I was like sort of hot in New York because nobody talks to me anywhere else. But New York was like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was like now that day went by that somebody didn't stop me. And I think more because the men were more aggressive there. Not aggressive in a bad way, but you, you have millions of people. You don't know if you'll see that person again. But um, outside of New York, um, dating is hard. <laughs> but that was my first one. This- I remember that for the future. <laughs> so, Sorry, fiance. <laughs> hopefully you won't have that problem. <laughs> but um, then what happened? Oh, the next film I did, um, I wanted to, when I lived in New York, and so when, in the beginning you saw the loosely based, but it was this guy I was just really into. And we lay in, and at that time I had chosen to be celibate. And so he... I really liked him a lot, but for whatever reason, it was God. I didn't have sex with him, but he did try to have sex with me and he ended up dying being HIV positive. And so the short short idea called Too Late, I wanted women to, you know, this was particularly for women, all women, um, but of course, having an African-American cast to really think about it's our responsibility to protect ourselves and making choices. Because a lot of times, you know, especially when you are into somebody, you really like someone and you, cause I will not lie to you. Like I remember after that one night, after I got back home, I was like, you should have did it. You know, you wanted to do it. You should have did it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Go ahead, girl, just just do it, it you know? and I was like, oh my God. And then, you know, he was like, you know, and he was, you know, really sexy, you know, and, and he had this accent. I was just like crazy about him, but I'm so glad I didn't. But it was just because I was in a celibate place and I, you know, and I can't even say that I was actually that responsible. It was just that, that was just the space I was in. But I felt like, you know, after like coming back and learning more about HIV, so many women and the main character, I chose her to be a married woman because I think it's even harder for married women because you trust your spouse and you're typically not using condoms with your spouse and you feel like you don't have to. But, you know, I, the storyline, I allowed the character to have those signs that we often ignore. And so I just wanted to use that message to just say, you know, we need to, as women, be conscious and protect ourselves. And it's our responsibility more than anyone else's. And then I think the next project was um, that also the next project that I did, this was like funny. I was the writer on this one. So, um, I would, you know, of course love politics at that time. (laughs) And, um, and I don't even think I put that in the bio, but, um, this project was, um, sort of like really biased. I wrote it in a biased Mm -hmm. way, but it was a time that I felt like people were not energized to vote after Obama. And this is when Romney, Ryan were, we're going. And so we wrote this and we started, I just took like different, you know, sound bites that we often hear them talking about and gave scenarios. So um, I used that to, you know, just employ people to get out and vote. And I think then the next project was, was, I don't know if this is in order, but I think the next project, which is probably my baby is Aged Out. And Aged Out mm-hmm. is a project that I wanted to bring awareness to youth aging out of foster care because many times people don't think, including myself, don't think about what happens to youth who age out of, out of the foster care system. And I told it in a narrative because I feel like, you know, and we were able to get into a few festivals, use it to help some nonprofits um, raise money and stuff like that. So it's been a really interesting journey with that piece. And so I'm actually adapting that piece into a feature film. And I've written the script, written like six drafts of the script. So now I'm in that process of breaking down and doing the real hard work, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, what's next? Because it's intimidating because it's my first one. And then I have another short film that we haven't released yet. We were applying to festivals and then just, the timing just hasn't been right because now we have this going on. So I have, I'm just debating when I will release that one. Um, we didn't get in, into any festivals, but it was, you know, we had some, some, a few issues with the project that I wasn't really excited about. And I must be honest, 
So, um, but it's still a great message and it's basically called We Are Left Behind. And this is to bring, and this actually is to bring awareness to like, this is before even like we had the young people that were being taken like from the border, separated from their families. Um, maybe a year before that, like there, I saw something in the news and these kids were being taken from their um, parents, immigrants. And I was like, well, when these parents are deported, what happens to the kids? So I just wanted to like show like the emotional impact that probably, I mean, on a very light level, I'm sure um, that kids experience when they're separated from their families, you know, especially that quickly and, you know, being deported and, you know, because some of the kids are born American citizens. So just wanted to explore that. So that was, that started like, I think, and then I've done a, a documentary on sex trafficking. So one day I'm going to do a fun project, <laughs> but right now, that's <laughs> not it. <laughs> <laughs> I love all these social justice underlining subjects between all your projects. Like you're just, it's like one after another, after another, after another. And I I think it's great that you're highlighting them. How how do you approach these projects knowing who your subject matter is when you're in the writing process as well as in a directing process? I I heard this quote from Toni Morrison years ago. And she said that um, actually she feels like we are vessels as writers, you know? And I think sometimes, like, I don't always want to do these projects, to be honest with you. Um, Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Like, I'll learn about it. And then oftentimes, like, Aged Out, I knew, I learned about Aged Out when I was in New York, but it was probably several years later that I actually wrote it. And I knew I wanted to do something with it, but I just didn't know what. And then you have that pulling, like, you got to tell the story, you got to tell the story. And then when it comes to, like, the direction, oftentimes, like what one of Clyde taught us is like, you know, even before you approach this story, one, I think in your head, you have an idea of how you want this to be at least part of it. And then what the first thing I do before I start writing is I will, you know, he told us to do like free association. So what I'll do is I just like write it, loosely write it. What is this story? Who's my characters? Blah, blah, blah. And then I go back and I especially the main characters, but as many characters as I feel like if they have one or two lines, not as much, but the, the main characters, I typically do bios for each character. So that way I can talk about, you know, who they were as children and what they're, you know, they're the only children, middle child, you know, oldest child, youngest child, you know, whatever. And um, what that family dynamic looks like, because psychologically, Often we have these similar patterns based upon those things and, you know, what elementary was like, were they shy, were they, you know, extroverted, you know, whatever. And a lot of times in doing those exercises, the story starts to develop even further. And I typically know where the, what the end is, but I don't always know what the in-between is, like usually the middle and end. And then as I'm doing it, I, um, at first, I did not honestly do the outline. I started just let start writing and see how it goes and then editing out or in as much as I needed to. But now I try the feature film I did, I took time to like do the beat sheet and, you know, like really spend time on developing the story. And I'll be honest, sometimes it goes on its own (laughs) path. Stay on track, Tamika. Stay on track. Yeah. (laughs) But in a way that's organic, you know, that's like, you know, I feel like in a way that, you know, like, because in our head we have this story. But then honestly, I really do feel like sometimes I can be riding in the car and just like a line of dialogue will come to me or a scene will come to me that I didn't include in the beginning. So I allow myself to have that flexibility to change the story where it's needed. And I am, and I'm, really good about rewriting Um, because I never feel like the first draft is the story, Mm -hmm. you know, like I always tell people, you know, that I talk to that, you know, that want to write is you need to sit it down for a week or two, maybe three, do something else and come back to it. And a lot of times you're more objective. So by the time I come back to the story, I'm like, oh, this, this is just redundant. I don't really need this. 
this doesn't move the story forward, you know, or something has come to my head. So I allow myself that process. And that's usually like my writing process for the most part. And as far as directing, um, that is, I love directing more than anything. Like I feel like because you get to play with people and all that stuff, but you also get to visually, you know, like think about what do you want to see? How do you want to see it? Now, as an independent filmmaker, I will say I have not felt like I had the power to focus strictly on directing. Why would you say that? I, because you're wearing so many hats. So let's say, for example, you know, we're doing a low budget or no budget project and you can't hire as many people as you need. So I might, you know, have a producer to help with this, but I'm helping the producer with something. I'm always wearing producer hat which I really don't like to wear, <laughs> but I have to. <laughs> and then, you know, you got to make sure, do we have catering? Do we have this? And so like what I've been, what I try to do before we get to, I always feel like I don't, I think I have more time than I do. So like, I'll go through breaking down the script and, you know, like really dissecting, you know, what the story is coming up with my shot list. And I am, and I, when I'm working with a, a, a good DP, we are able to, you know, like one of the stories, you know, one of the DPs I used, like, and some of them, you know, and this, this is a whole nother conversation, but some sometimes, especially working with men, especially if they have more experience, they don't always like to follow your process. And I have a process for a reason. And so what I like to do, and so I feel like that's been most effective and flows the best is like, um, you know, I like to take still pictures because like the little stick people that I can't visually see what I want in the scene. So what I usually do with the DP, if we can get on one page, is go out and take pictures, even if we just have someone stand in place of the actors, so that we can really work through the shots before we get to set. And and usually I'll have like a book with every scene, every shot, and then they could just, the, the camera department's just flipping through. And so it allows me time to work with the actors more versus trying to, you know, move around shots unless it's necessary on set. But I've had conflicts on, you know, with that, the last two projects, and then you run out of time. So you have to make a decision to go with the flow in a sense, in in a way that I um, don't want to ever do again. But that is the, the challenge when you're wearing so many hats, because you have to give attention to like, oh, this actor something happened it's not going to work or the chemistry he isn't working this person isn't connecting or whatever and so your your hands are in so many pots and so my dream is to like honestly I would love to one day have somebody else's script another producer attached and all I get to do is direct like I that is my solo directing got it yeah but you know but the part that's hard for me is because I have these stories in my head that feels like they must be told. So I oftentimes will probably be writing, but I would love to direct somebody else's project. You guys hear that? She would love to direct anyone else's project. So anyone who's listening, got a project (laughs) that needs to be directed, Tamika is here. (laughs) I am here (laughs) and I will dedicate myself to it. All right, y'all, I have something to share. The secret is out. She's So Real finally has its own community. Yes, girl, the realists. That's right. (laughs) I'm getting excited just thinking about it. This community is an extension of the podcast and blog. The space is created for talented, badass women in the film and entertainment industry, just like my intro says, in order to support one another. You guys are supposed to share resources and news, network, advocate for more girl power on and off screen. Use this community for inspiration, positivity, expertise, skill development, think pieces, and much more. Ultimately, our mission is to bring your passion to reality with the support of these women. Have fun in there and don't forget to invite any other ambitious women that you know in the industry. You can find the link in the show notes and I can't wait to see you in there. Well, I love how intricate your process is and it looks like you really think through how you're going to apply it when you're in the writing stages and the directing stages. 
how much, and, and I could, I could tell that you take a little bit from your experience, but how much do you take from other people's experiences when you're putting together this intricate writing and, and script? So writing, not as much, um, with the writing, I, it's su- such an isolated experience for me. And oftentimes, even when I'm in the, funny enough, even when I was in the writing group, I tended, I would tend to probably miss meetings like when I'm in the writing process because I just want to be influenced. Now, there are certain things, of course, that you learn from like, um, you know, even the, being in books or classes in regards to like, I would say the thing that I learned probably is more the outline that I've taken. There's a book called Save the Cat. And they basically, he uses a beat sheet. And I tried to use this last project, I used the beat sheet and tried to apply those steps. And I really feel like it worked. And I felt like my writing was more organized in that, using that beat sheet. For directing, I definitely still, because I feel like I'm a stronger writer, but with more passion to direct, if that makes sense. So I still, because, you know, like I said, you know, doing the little stick figures on the block, I, I haven't gotten accustomed to visually being able to see that. So what I typically do, what I, well, one, you know, when I first started, what I would do is like, I would watch a movie, like, and then after watching the movie, I would find the script online and go back and read it with the script. Then I would go back and watch the director's cut. So what is the name of that movie by Michael Mann with Jamie Foxx and- Oh, uh, I love Collateral with Tom Cruise. Uh, that's a great film. Yes. So in the director, you know, the behind the scenes, like, because I was like really struggling with the stick people shot, you know, like creating my um, storyboard, storyboard, storyboard. Okay. So, um, you, so I would use the, instead of the stick figures for the storyboard, I saw Michael Mann on one of the behind the scenes and he basically, of behind the scenes of collateral, he, his processes, he had like, he went, he had a camera person go out and he had models and he took pictures and he put those storyboards and you saw it all around. I was like, that right there will work for me. And so I stole that idea, you know, from him. So it wasn't like an original thought. And that process, I just really like, um, I'm not sure that, you know, like if I get into directing TV, which is one of my aspirations, I don't know that I could do it with every project, but I definitely feel like for my feature film, that process I want to, um, use and I have used in previous projects in my shorts as well. Now that you touch up on the TV aspect, do you see yourself in terms of in your future more in the film area or in the TV area? Well okay if I'm honest, probably film. Okay. If I'm okay. honest. And the reason I'm on that that film is more appealing to me is because as a creative you get to create when you do TV, you're basically whoever has set that the vision of the story, you basically are following that. And so you're, you have less creative control as a director on TV. Um, but TV is appealing to me because there's so much great content out there and it's consistent work, you know, with film, you know, it's not as much, but I really think I love film more to be honest with you, just the whole process, the creativity. And I am one of those people that despite like I have some friends because I'm I'm not an introvert, I'm more of an ambivert. So like when it's sitting down, breaking down those like tedious details, I love it. I love that whole process. I love the editing. I don't edit, but I love working with the editor. I love working with the actors. I, I just love like even sitting in there, like I'm right now I'm breaking down my script and you know, and it's very tedious because you're trying to highlight everything for every different department so you can, you know, organize your, your, your content. So I love every aspect of it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Is there, is there one thing that you wish that someone would take? I know you already highlighted this a little earlier, but is there one thing that you wish someone else would take care of that you want nothing to do with? I know you talked about being a producer and you wish someone else would take care of that. I would give away all of it. And and actually, I would probably, I, there's a certain, as much as I complain about producing, there's a certain part of me that love it as well. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, I don't love it. That's a, that's a lie. I like it. You know, I feel like, you know, like 
bringing it all together that is fascinating. One of my friends, she called me the other day, yesterday, I think it was, and she's like, you just have a bil- an ability to get people, even when you don't have money, you can have like a huge set of people and they just will be willing to. And I just love bringing people together, telling these stories. And so there's, they're, I mean, getting locations, all that stuff. But in a perfect world, I would like to delegate that to someone else because you can't, I don't think you could perfect your craft if you're wearing too many hats, so many hats, you know? So if I can have someone to focus on locations, have someone to focus on wardrobe, have someone to focus on, you know, um, probably catering, every aspect of filmmaking other than writing and directing. And, and, And I would produce, but not in a sense that I would like, I would like to produce before we were on set. So all the things that needs to happen closer to production, like I would like to have a producer that's strong enough to take on a lot of those responsibilities. And, but in just, you know, put on my directing hat and just really spend the time um, preparing in pre-production just to direct, you know, I love, because I even love when we are able to do rehearsals and, you know, getting, working with actors and figuring out what they get, what they bring to it, and then what adjustments we need to make. I love all of it, but oftentimes you're wearing 20,000 hats and you can't do every job effectively that way. Oh, I, you can, you can't just pats on the back until you get those people to do it. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, and you do it, you know, like, I feel like, I feel like, like I said, you know, there are mistakes in every movie I've made, I would say, but I am very proud of, especially aged out, you know, um, I felt like it's still times like, it's just so crazy to me. Like, and I don't know if it's just because of the, the responses, but like when I have gone to festivals or they, we also had like the department of human services in Newport News, Virginia, like they hosted an event to, they catered. I mean, it was a beautiful event. Had catering. They had used it. Had a panel to talk about foster care, youth aging out. So it was a beautiful event. And I swear to you, like I've probably seen this movie over a hundred times, right? And I'm just sitting there bawling, like, oh my god, you know, like I've never oh. seen. It before. <laughs> you know, like, what's wrong with you? Tissue, anyone? Tissue. So you know, like to me, like so I can still like it, look at it, and be proud of it. And and I, I don't even know if it's just. The, the movie itself but I think just the message and the people how people respond like because I honestly could say out of every project I've done this one probably has had the most impact you know whether it's like oh my god I never knew or thought about youth aging out of foster care what can we do I had this young one young man I was at this um I allowed this um, nonprofit to use it as part of their um, fundraiser. And so we were at the event after screening it. And he just walked up to me and was like, thank you for telling my story. And of course, I was like, ooh, you know, you know, just crying. And then, you know, but even on the other side of that, you know, when we, the Department of Human Services, used screened the movie, the workers, like that was probably the most shocking to me. Like they were like, you know what? Thank you. I forgot why I was doing this. And I was like, you know, and so when you feel like you're, invoking it that I can't say that it has made a difference in you being on the street or you you know like experiencing the things they, they experience but if it just I would say if you can just change your mind or you know create some type of conversation around it because I think as a filmmaker my job is to start the conversation and hopefully communities will come together and you know, figure out what the changes are that we can make to make it better for those young people. And I don't know the answers, but I think collectively, you know, and there are people working on this every day, so I don't want to make it seem like they're not. And the feature film that I'm doing, I, I really am really, really, really proud of it. Like, and not because it's mine, but like I've invested a lot into like, you know, really developing the story and I really, and I think in a short, it's so hard to develop the characters, you know, like you, it's, it's those things that you got to tell in a short time frame. And we are able to know the characters, see their flaws and their, you know, the being able to overcome and, you know, all those things. And I really 
Like, um, I'm really proud of it. And I just, but just we're so far off. Like, we still got to raise money and, you know, do all that stuff. So, as a person that wears many hats and has seen many things onset and offset, what would be your best advice for someone who is embarking on their own journey to becoming a filmmaker and a writer? I would say steady. Um, and I don't care, you know, how much you do it. It's always something new to learn because there's so much evolving all the time. And I would say the most important thing I would say as a creative of any sort is finding your community because being a creative one, it's a lonely place at times. And even though you have your family and friends that support you, it's something about being around people that you don't have to explain choices you make in your life, sacrifices you make in your life, because it's hard. You know, I don't want anyone to think that this is just like one of those, like, especially if you're just taking a leap of faith, you know, I've had to stay with people as a grown woman. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've had to, you know, sometimes my friends are like, oh, I'm going out to dinner and movie or I'm going on a trip. I'd be like, oh, I can't go because I need to focus on this project. Yep, yep. I'm on the boat. <laughs> yeah, or I don't have the money to go, you know, just to be real. You know, and so like, um, you know, I sold real estate for a long time. And then I was like, you know, I'm not doing, I'm, I, I'm ready to just take this leap. And so it's been very challenging, you know, extremely challenging um, financially. And then you end up trying to find these little odd-in-in jobs if you're not able to get a lot of freelance work. But then when you're doing those jobs, you're not always able to focus on the work that you're doing because you're exhausted, you know? So it's just a really hard balance. But when you're around your creative family or friends, you know, when you're making, like where you'll hear a lot of people like, well, you need to get a regular job. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, but when you're around your creative friends, that's never a conversation they have. Like, for example, we went to Sundance this year. And one of oh, that was so awesome. I'll have to tell you about that. But one of the ladies that was in the house, and, and, and none of us knew each other very, very well. It was one person that she and I met when I was in Atlanta. So we have become friends. But so we were in the house and we were talking, and one of the ladies was like, Yeah, I just quit my job last month. And but before she could get last month out, everybody was like, Yay! you know, clapping, you know. <laughs> but in a different environment, everybody been like, Well, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna survive? How you, you know, and, and you already have all these questions in your head anyways. So I think that's why it's important to find your community because they're the people when it gets tough, they understand you. You don't have to have these like, you know, conversations about the stuff you already know in your head and you're, you're contemplating anyways. And they're just going to uplift you usually because they are on the journey or they have been on the journey as well. Oh, wow. Wow. Is there anything else besides aged out that we should look forward to from you in the future? Of course, after this coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it's one project that I can't talk much about because it's not mine yet, but I have applied for and I'm really, I feel like it's also another social issue, but it's very important. Um, And it's dealing with the criminal justice system. And so I've applied for it and I think if I can, it's sort of hard because doing this coronavirus, it's hard to get people in place and you can't just go knocking yep. on doors and bum rushing people and all that Social stuff. distancing, so, everybody. Social distancing, <laughs> you know. And so um, there's just a few holes in it, but it's a really great story. And I think whether I get greenlit for it or not, I'm going to definitely do the story, but I would love to do it with this organization and I won't name it yet. But it's an important project as well. Um, it's a short project, but important. And then, like I said, Aged Out, I'm adapting to a feature. Right now, the working title is Tierra. In the short film, the main character, the lead character is a male. And I decided, like, once I learned, you know, like, I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't. And then once, ironically, when we were working on the short film, I ran across a few people, a few women who aged out. And some of their stories were parallel. and even more challenging than men because in addition to all the things you have to deal with, like being just outed and trying to figure it out at then it was 18 in most States now it's 21, but they also have to worry about being raped, you know, and those things. Different issues. Yeah. Yeah. So 
and just being a woman, you know, how to protect yourself and hide and, you know, all those things in the street. So uh, as I talked to these women, I was like, okay, it's important to make this character a lead, the, the lead. So that's, so the story, although it's about the same topic, it's a vastly different story. You are tackling some big things and I can't wait to see this. Like, I'm Thank so you. excited for you. <laughs> I'll keep, well, yeah. <laughs> I, love I got you, girl. I got you. <laughs> yeah, because it's like I said, it's challenging, and I think like this is, and, and I'll be honest, it's intimidating because this is my first feature, and so in addition to like, I would like to have an actor that has some recognition, just so that we can get people. Hopefully, we'll have theaters. I know in the news they're talking about will theaters come back and all that stuff. So prayerfully, we'll have theaters to go to or net, you know, or Netflix. But my dream is to be able to see people in crowded movie theaters looking at the movie, but I would like to have someone attached to it that, you know, people, that's a familiar face. And with that, I need to raise some money because I would like to have a really strong crew in any place that I'm not as strong. I want to be able to have people that are better than me. So it's a process to the the next few steps (laughs) as a journey. So yeah, just definitely keep me in prayer, but it's going to get done. I'll tell you, it's going to get done. I have faith in that, but yeah, just pray my strength in it. <laughs> we got you. Me and yeah. the community, we got you. The yes, Street So Real community is about you, so don't Yay. worry about it. Before thank we wrap you. up here, Tamika, we're going to start off with our keep it real questions for sure. our community. So I'm just going to spat some questions and you just give me your best answers. Sound good? That sounds great. All right. What is your favorite movie right now? Right now? Mm-hmm. Right now, my favorite movie. Gosh, I don't know that I have a favorite movie right now. My favorite movie of all times is The Color Purple. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) And the only reason I say that right now is just because it is so much good content out It is, it is. So I don't know that I have a favorite. It's okay, I'll take The Color Purple any day. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite TV show? Oh, that's hard too, gosh. (laughs) (sighs) It can be multiple. Okay, okay. I'll say this. I'll say this. This is us. It's probably right my right now favorite TV okay. show. But I'm loving Ozark. Um, I'm loving. I even like New Amsterdam. It's a it's a lot, you know. And Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's so much, you know. So many, so many, so many. <laughs> and your last one. What is your favorite movie snack at the theaters? Okay. I'm cheap and I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so I normally truthfully don't buy snacks at the movies. What? I, I don't. And, and honestly, I don't even like popcorn, to be honest, because it gets stuck in my teeth. Oh, <laughs> so I don't really like popcorn, but I don't know. I just enjoy being in the movie theater, but. Yeah, I don't have a favorite snack. Hey, that's okay. You're going in there with your mind to see what's on the screen. You're tr- you're yeah. a true artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Tamika, thank you so much for being on the show. We're highly looking forward to your aged out film being featured in theaters. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I really have enjoyed my time with you. Your energy is just amazing. So thank oh, you. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to stop firing the Instagram algorithm and start building your email list like me? I thought so. Meet my marketing secret weapon, Flowdesk. Rather, if you're an entrepreneur, a content creator, or an artist, you can use Flowdesk to create campaigns in minutes that grow your business, gain more followers, and make passive money. I mean, like, who doesn't like making money in their sleep? Flowdesk gives you the ability to design emails with stunning templates people will actually love in their inbox and look great in any device. To stay on brand, Flowdesk gives you the creative freedom to use custom brand colors and fonts so you can be on top of your marketing game. The best part is you can have unlimited subscribers with no upgrade fees or penalties. Support this female-owned business by signing up today for 50% off your monthly subscription forever. Flowdesk. Email marketing just got a whole lot easier.
Tamika was just delightful, y'all. Like, I loved every moment of it. Um, she's also in the podcasting game. So if you guys are ever interested, and I also have it in the show notes in terms of links. Um, she has a podcast, including Tea Talks with Tamika, which she also basically does the same thing as me. However, she has to step up because she's actually in the industry. And she has her other one called Gyro Podcast that she is a co-host of. So be sure to support her in that. I love anyone else who's in the podcasting game. So that's awesome to see. Before I close out, I want to take this time to remind you guys not to be uh, divisive and to unite as one. I know it's easy to be combative and emotional at this time. And I'm not saying that I'm not angry and upset at the murders that have happened and the past murders that have happened due to police brutality. However... I do think we need to lean in one another because we're constantly being separated by so many factors. And this is something that we shouldn't be separated on and we need to step forward as one in order to move forward in everything. So please come together. Please shift that energy to coming together. And then lastly, please register to vote. I cannot believe how many people did not vote last year. Sometimes it makes me worried at the fact that people have opinions, yet they said, I didn't vote because I didn't want to vote. This is crazy to me. You have a powerful voice. You need to use it. The primaries are coming up. Okay, so I need you guys to keep that in mind. So please, please, please take the time to register to vote. Okay, please take that time. Use your voice. Vote. You can be the action for that change. Okay, I end with this, Black Lives Matter, and so do Black Stories. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real.